Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, season recap episode, and what a season it was. You ready to uh, look back on our triumphs, but more likely our failures? It was only fitting that Notre Dame would make their brief entry in the ACC only to win the conference in the regular season, right? Like, And then get their teeth kicked in in the conference championship game. That's right. As... <laughs> As expected, yeah. right? Like, well, I mean, it's kind of mirroring uh, my fantasy baseball results from this year, where I won the regular season and then got my teeth kicked in the championship. It was great. It felt good. Hey, I'll it, tell you that much. At least you got there. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's a first time for everything. We'll say that. Um, <laughs> Fair enough, Mike. What we have done here is we have prepared a little bit, looking back at some uh, final standings projections that you and I made, and I have it written down here on September 9th, twenty twenty. So this was. Uh, just days before the season started for the ACC. So we made those projections. We have compared them against the final standings in the conference. And without trying to do anything too fancy with math, basically what we did was just count how many spots off our projections were from the final standings. Um, And and I've gone through the sheet. You and I are looking at it, and we'll tweet a picture of this out that – uh, people can see and use as reference if they so choose. But basically, I, I've highlighted some of these where A, we had a team picked in exactly the right spot, or B, we had a team picked at least five spots away from where they finished. Now, we'll do the first to start out with. You and I both had Virginia finishing ninth. And, and I, you know what? Quickly, final standings are as follows. Number one, Notre Dame. Two, Clemson. Three, Miami. Four, North Carolina. 5 NC State, 6 Boston College, 7 Pittsburgh, 8 Virginia Tech, 9 Virginia, 10 Wake Forest, 11 Georgia Tech, 12 Louisville, 13 Florida State, 14 Duke, 15 Syracuse. Um, so as mentioned, Mike, you and I both had Virginia at ninth, which was perfect. Uh, that Insane, was insane. Yeah. By that, the way, that was the only one that I got perfect. You also had North Carolina at four and Syracuse at 15, which were spot on. So credit to you, sir. Well done. On the other hand, you and I both had uh, four schools that were at least five spots off, and it was the same four schools. Uh, Louisville, I was eight spots off. You were six, had them too high. Florida State, five spots off, both too high. NC State, you were six spots too low. I was nine, (laughs) and you were also eight spots too low on Boston College, where I was nine on that as well. Um, And then, Mike, you had one more that you're missing, and I think you know what that one was. My alma mater, Virginia Tech, baby. That would be correct. You're five spots too high on Virginia Tech. A little bullish. <sighs> Man. So, if like, only a new like, coach could fix that, right, Joey? <laughs> we'll never know. Oops. Um, <laughs> Mike, looking at this, you know, some of these teams, like, does any one of these, like, really stick out to you as, as like, we really just missed that? Or do you feel like you could really justify how or why these all went wrong? And, and still feel like you can justify the initial pick where you had them. First of all, welcome to group therapy. This is our mm-hmm. public shaming episode of season five of the Basketball Conference podcast. So welcome mm-hmm. in. Boston College and NC State are the two. Yeah. Those yeah. are the two. Um, Louisville, I, I think you and I being a bit higher on them this year was, you know, I, I, I don't want to call it a massive mistake, right? Like they they dealt with some COVID issues early in the year and they had some issues defensively and they got all that ironed out and they played much better in the second half. But from a turnover standpoint, they were also pretty unlucky too. Right. And I, and I think the other part of this too, Joey, is that with Louisville, I think it was probably, I think where we made our mistake was that 
we didn't take into account the fact that this team in year two and how they played this year is probably a bit more reflective of where they're at as a program relative to what they did in year one, where they just way over exceeded expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, we were just like, all right, this rebuild is going to be much quicker than anticipated. And it still might be right. I mean, they might come out next year and be really good. Um, But year two, I think them taking a little bit of a step back, not a massive surprise to me, like when kind of looking back on it, but I think where we made our mistake was we just kind of, we read the tea leaves a bit incorrectly with NC state and Boston college. I mean, Dave Dorn was on the hot seat and BC was in a year one situation with a brand new quarterback. Um, and, and you got Jeff happily coming in. He's never been a head coach before. I mean, there were, it, it was fair for us at the beginning of the year to have some questions about Boston college. You know, you lose AJ Dillon to the NFL. He was basically the entirety of your offense from a rushing standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, they Anthony just Brown was gone as well. Anthony Brown was gone too. Like they had a lot of questions and NC state, you know, we, we were famous for kind of talking about how they were underperforming under Dave Doran. I mean, you were hammering that point home and I wasn't very high on them either this year, but they over exceeded expectations and they surprised everybody. So I don't feel too bad about that one. Yep. Yeah. Louisville was a team that I, I actually feel like if you, if you look at a lot of the advanced numbers, like mm-hmm. it really actually wasn't as bad as the record says that they were. And, and again, right. there was some, some unluckiness there, but I, I I'm with you. I was kind of surprised. I mean, for in, in terms of talking about like a potential quote unquote worst year back, I mean, it wasn't like Louisville lost a ton of production from from last year's team, and right. to, to not only see the defense not really take a step forward, but even in, in some cases early on they took a step back. Um, you know that, and then it, clearly they missed Mackay Becton in in a way that a it lot. was hard for words to explain. Um, you know that that running attack w- was very problematic for them in a lot of cases. Yeah, um, they had some opt outs there towards the end of the year, so. Yeah, I mean, there was just a lot of things that that had that kind of went wrong. That I think were truthfully they were kind of hard to project for. Um, so I don't feel as bad about that one. And then Boston College, yeah, like I'm I'm kind of with you on that as well. Um, I think the line of thinking there made some sense. You know, I think there was probably more talent in the trenches and such with Boston College than we realized. Really gave them credit for and. Uh, that probably went a long way to to kind of help justify kind of where they finished up. But keep in mind here, they had a fairly ho-hum win to start the year against Duke, 26-6. to They almost lost to Texas State at home. Yeah. Uh, somehow they played North Carolina extremely close. Like, that was, was nearly headed to overtime. Um, they barely beat a, a decent Pittsburgh team. They get blown out by Virginia Tech. They blow out Georgia Tech. They nearly knock off Clemson. They nearly lose to Syracuse after that. Like it was a, it was an extremely up and down year for Boston College. That you know you had enough of them come up heads. That I guess it worked out. But um, it, certainly they had more success even in a, in a roller coaster kind of year. The, the the high points were higher than I think either you or I expected. And and that's just credit to some guys you know meshing better than we thought they would and. Um, Jeff Halfley in that program and his coaching staff uh, performing at a level again that we weren't really expecting. Yeah, and then I, I think the other team that we need to talk about that you and I both got really wrong is Florida State. Yep. And they're, uh, they're an interesting team, and there's a lot of issues there that kind of surpass X's and O's on the field. There's a culture problem at Florida State. Um, because of just years of mediocrity and, you know, you had guys kind of running rampant and Willie Taggart was a player's coach to a fault, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why they pulled the trigger in the first place to replace him. But I, I think that having Mike Norvell, at least how I still view it, and I think how you still view it as well with Norvell, is I think that's the right move to get a positive culture back in Tallahassee for the long term, even though it didn't work out in year one. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's still opportunity for that to for that to work. And I don't think it's a Mike Norvell problem that Florida State didn't play very well this year. I just think it's going to be a long rebuild there yep. in Tallahassee. Yeah. And I I think that you and I probably to our detriment, we thought that 
you know, because of what we saw Louisville do last year, right? Louisville jumps out with Satterfield in year one with talent on the roster, and he's able to win what he won and get into a bowl game. And then he steps back in year two. Well, I think we looked at that. And we were like, why can't Norvell do that? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the problems from a culture standpoint at Florida State, those issues are far deeper than those at Louisville. Louisville just had a bad coach, Petrino, that lost the locker room. But they still had talent on that roster. Yeah. And that was yeah. that was apparent last year in the year one situation for Satterfield. So I, I think the Florida State one is, is one that we really messed up. But I think the reasoning for that one is clear as well, given what we had just seen out of Scott Satterfield when we made these picks. Well, the, the only thing that frustrates me that, you know, we both picked Florida State eighth. It wasn't like we picked them third, you know, or like they were going to make a, a run at going to Charlotte, but like felt like they could be a middle of the conference team. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that bugs me, Mike, is if you pull up the, the uh, 24-7 sports uh, composite talent rankings, Florida State had the second most talented roster in the conference. Yeah. Like it was it was Clemson and then Florida State and then Miami and then a pretty substantial drop off before you get to North Carolina at four. Yeah. Like the talent is there and, and that's what you're what you're saying is absolutely right. That whatever their issue at this point is, is not that guys aren't fast enough, that they're not strong enough, um, that they don't have you know, that they're not God gifted players, you know, in the in the way that others are that they're playing against. Like it's something else entirely. It's it's probably a leadership issue. There's a culture issue. I mean, it's it's something with the way that that team comes together in the locker room that is a much bigger issue than whatever they're physically capable of on the field. So that's something that we definitely got to keep an eye on moving into next year. Um, by the way, and, and you mentioned NC State earlier. I'll mention them as well here real quick for, for me and for my sake. NC State, <laughs> I had them nine spots too low. I had them at 14th. They finished at 5th. I've said this at least a couple times on this here podcast before, but let's just go through it one more time. Um, I was wrong. I was wrong. I messed that up. Yep. <laughs> Dave Doran uh, and, and that staff did a hell of a job coaching that team this year. Um, dealt with a ton. I mean, they they established Devin Leary as a starter in camp, and then they didn't have him for the first couple games for a COVID issue. And so they were able to actually start getting a little bit of something out of Bailey Hockman. Uh, Leary comes back and looks awesome. And then he goes out with a pretty brutal injury. And so Hockman comes back in and looks even better. Like actually started looking legit really good for a few right. games. Um, so just the development there. And then also, I mean, you saw some some breakout players on defense uh, for the Wolfpack there that were awesome. Peyton Wilson led the conference in tackles. That guy's awesome. I loved watching him. Really good player. Um, yeah. Isaiah Moore there at linebacker was awesome. Uh, Jakeem Harris. Um, gosh, the, the defensive tackle's name is escaping me. Um, but Ali McNeil? Yeah, Ali McNeil. That's the one. Um, but again, like a lot of these guys that, that kind of emerged a, a little bit that weren't as, as big of a uh, big time of contributors last year, you know. So um, credit to NC State and Wolfpack and, and that coaching staff. Um, well done. I will say that the the schedule that they played was not the most rigorous in the in the, conf, in the conference. No, uh, I believe if you look at the bottom eight teams in the conference, I believe NC State played seven of them. If I'm not mistaken, oh yeah, that helps. Yeah, didn't play Notre Dame, didn't play Clemson, so it, it definitely helps that way. Um, but hey, you, you only play who's on your schedule, and NC State beat I believe seven out of the ten teams they played. So yep, uh, credit to them and and Dave Dorn and that staff and everybody in in Raleigh. Let me talk about Virginia Tech for a second, Joey. Please do. I thought and and you pointed this out to me before I hit record. Virginia Tech actually got off to a pretty good start that was making me look pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Having them slated at third in the ACC. Then they lose to Wake Forest, and then they lose to Miami, then they lose to Liberty, then they lose to Clemson, obviously. Yeah, this thing spiraled. That one coming. Yeah, and Pittsburgh. I mean, there were a lot of games that Virginia Tech lost, it turns out. Um, the second half of the year was not very good to the Hokies. I was way too bullish on them. Um, but, I, you know, I think going into the year, my expectation was that, you know, the defense would – come together a bit more quickly because of the talent they had on the roster, even with Caleb Farley opting out. He's obviously the best defensive player for tech. Mm-hmm. Even not having him, I figured, you know, Jermaine Waller would step up and he's another guy who was expected to be a, a high draft, a high draft pick, not, not first round like Caleb Farley, but first few rounds. And then he got hurt. So now he's coming back to school because he didn't even really play this year. 
so there there were some extenuating circumstances that happened there um, early in the year from a defensive standpoint that I think hurt them a lot. Um, and they were just battered with COVID and stuff like that. So that didn't really come together as quickly as I thought on that side of the ball. And then I think the offense regressed too. Um, and, and, you know, it was going to be a big off season for Hendon Hooker to develop as a passer. And then obviously you don't really have that, that time in, in the off season. Now he transfers out of the program to Tennessee, as we talked about in the last podcast. So, you know, there, there were some circumstances there that I didn't really take into account and we can't take into account COVID because everybody's dealing with it, but it's something I got wrong. And I think the defense will be better in, in year two under Justin Hamilton. I have more questions about the offense heading into next season, but yeah, this is a, a Virginia tech team that I thought was exceeding expectations early in the year and then fell below expectations in the second half, given kind of what they were dealing with. So yeah, I was really wrong there. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I mean, how quickly we went from Virginia tech might actually make a push to, to go to Charlotte and play Clemson to Virginia tech's going to be firing their coach to, I can't believe they didn't fire their coach. Like, yeah. I mean, it was a, uh, again, speaking of roller coaster rides, like, really kind of a, a, a pretty uh, boring roller coaster just went way up and then it went way down and then it was over like so yeah yeah and we were I mean that was in a span of like five or six weeks we had a podcast where you and I both declared Virginia Tech to be good mm-hmm. and then we had a podcast a couple of weeks later with the mailbag where I said yeah I mean the only way I could see Puente leaving is if he takes another job to then a few weeks later being like uh, Joey they got to fire him right mm-hmm. so that was all in a span of like five or six weeks. It was a weird year. Yeah. Life comes year. at you fast, Mike. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, I do want to highlight that as, as much as we were very off on some of these teams, we weren't off on all of them. Um, and, and I've already highlighted that there were uh, four separate picks that we had combined that were right on the money. But I also wanted to highlight that there were a number of these as well that came in within two spots uh, of where they actually finished. Um, at the top, you had Clemson, Notre Dame, North Carolina, and Pittsburgh. Uh, you and I were within two spots on all four of those teams. We were also within two spots on Georgia Tech, and then I was within two spots on Virginia Tech and you on Wake Forest. So this is pretty good picking on uh, you know about half of these teams. It was the other half we got to work on. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, it was pretty easy for you and I to be like, yeah, Notre Dame. Well, you picked North Carolina second, and then – but, but I remember you picked North Carolina second because of the schedule. Yeah. So to your credit, it wasn't like, oh, my God, like North Carolina is definitely better than Notre Dame. It was North Carolina's got a lot of talent and they got a nice schedule to mm-hmm. boot. So picking them second doesn't really look that crazy. I picked them fourth and got it correct. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, it's a total toss-up, right? Like mm-hmm. that, That's a team that, you know, I, I think obviously had all the offensive firepower. And then the question was going to be, how would the defense come together? I thought for the most part, the defense was pretty good. Uh, but, you know, they lost a game against Notre Dame late in the year that obviously hurt them in the ACC standings. And, you know, that's that's why those games, North Carolina absolutely had to have this year. Yep. Um, but then there were the head scratchers, you know. You, you lose to Florida State. Like, what in the world? Like, that's one of the worst losses in the Power Five this year. Yeah. Like, Certainly for was- ranked teams and that kind of thing. Yeah just a brutal brutal loss um and north carolina they had some of those head scratchers this year that made you just kind of look at them and be like hey guys like what are you doing what happened there yeah right um yeah i was gonna say i mean you, you flip that florida state game if they win that i mean they finished eight and two and they would have finished third um so it would have right. worked out pretty well for that if, if that had happened which again it probably should have but it didn't so oh well um I was interested, Mike. I, I didn't realize looking back that we had both projected Miami as low as we did. Um, I, I remember talking to Cam, and Cam was a little bit downtrodden on him and, and not really trusting in the coaching staff and not really sure about the direction of the program. Um, and, and I think we both had him at about seven and three, maybe if I remember correctly. And yep. But somehow I had him, I, I had him at sixth, and you had him at seventh. Uh, they finished third. So. I thought that was interesting that, that I, I would have thought that we would have had him a little bit higher than we did, but then again, I mean, Miami, uh, not, not a team that's used to overproducing, we'll say in terms of, uh, on-field results. 
That's one way to put it. Um, <laughs> but this this is a Manny Diaz coach program. Obviously, you had a lot of questions, and I mean, to their credit, like it was it was one of those years where he needed to prove it early. Given some of the losses that Miami had last year, Florida International, for example, like mm-hmm. you don't want to lose that game. Uh, and that was one of a few where you were like, man, Miami, like that's a really, really terrible look. Um, but to go eight and three overall this year, um, seven and two in ACC play, and to be able to kind of right the ship this year is really significant. And that's with a bowl game loss, obviously. And then on top of that, getting the absolute doors blown off by North Carolina and still just putting together a really competitive appearance in the bowl game. Uh, Manny Diaz deserves a lot of credit. I, I know that you know the last few games didn't go as as planned, but Miami was a top 15 team for most of the year, and I thought they were playing good football. Now, I think there's a level of untapped potential that's still there. Um, you know, you got a lot, still a ton of talent on both sides of the football. Mm-hmm. I think at times Miami played down to competition, which yep. has been an issue for a while now. The difference was De'Ara King pulled him out of the muck more than you know Malik Rozier has been able to, or Jaron Williams has been able to, or Nikosi Perry has been able to. I was going to say he did that repeatedly. Yeah, so a lot of credit goes to De'Ara King. A lot of credit obviously has to go to Rhett Lashley as well because those two don't really exist without the other. Like, he's not coming to Miami without Rhett Lashley being there. Right. So right. There's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot for Miami fans to be happy about and optimistic about, I think, moving forward. But I think there's a level of potential that needs to be reached there as well for fans to be fully satisfied and... I think the jury is still ultimately out on whether or not Manny Diaz is that guy, but certainly a much better look, you know, finishing third in the ACC behind Clemson and Notre Dame in year two, rather than losing to FIU in year one. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I completely agree with that. Um, Mike, anything else on these teams and kind of where we projected them and, and where they ended up that kind of caught you, caught your eye or, or was uh, surprising to you at all? I find it interesting. You and I both picked Duke to finish 10th. They ended up finishing 14th. Yeah. Now, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal because I don't think either one of us was like extremely high on Duke, but I think we figured that David Cutcliffe would at least have them play at a semi-competitive level. Well, and you had I'll say for me, former uh, Trevor Lawrence protege Chase Bryce coming in to play quarterback for him. And I and that was what I was just about to say. So I will say for sorry, me sorry. that... <laughs> the Chase Bryce, no, I mean, you're around the money. I mean, I, the Chase Bryce thing is what I got most incorrect. I, I expected much more out of him. Uh, he just ended up being a turnover machine, which I didn't necessarily see coming. I, I knew he wouldn't be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he wouldn't have been transferring to Duke if he was that good. Right. But right. I didn't expect him to turn the ball over like he did. That was surprising to me. And, you know, he transferred out again. Now he's going to App State. So, Yeah, that's a that's a whole other discussion. That's interesting. Um. Yeah, that was really the thought. I think was well, they're going to be getting an upgrade at quarterback, and again, Cutcliffe, uh, a good a good coach, and they generally have a way of winning a couple games that maybe they shouldn't, and all this, and then they started turning the ball over about forty times in in ten games. You know, so that's a that's a good way to make sure you don't actually uh, have a chance to exceed expectations if you just give the ball away constantly. Um, yeah. Second worst turnover margin in the ACC was Louisville at minus 11. Duke was the worst at minus 20. <laughs> they were nine turnovers worse than anybody else in the entire conference. So Real bad. Yeah, that, that's going to lose you a lot of games. So that I think that kind of explains, too. And it, Again, we had them at 10th. Like, again, it wasn't like we had them at 6th or, or something really high. Like, and, we, and we talked about on the preview that there was a pretty clear delineation – probably between the top eight teams and then the, t- the bottom uh, seven teams. And of course we had two of the bottom seven wrong and, and uh, two of the top top eight wrong, <laughs> but Duke was in that bottom seven. And so, yeah, we were, we were kind of correct. And then the way the things play out are kind of what, what influenced that result we'll say. So, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Mike, one other thing I should probably mention here while we're talking about, projections versus actual results uh i would like to congratulate you uh you won our picks on the season you had a lot of correct picks good good stuff 
You had a lot of correct picks. You had even more incorrect picks, but I had not very many correct picks in a whole pile of incorrect ones. So good on you. Congratulations. You are our 2020 picks season champion. You went 53, 64 and two overall. I went 43, 75 and two overall. Oh yeah. Casual, uh, 32 under 500. So Bay Joey, Bay Joey. Yes, sir. Man. Just going to let that marinate here for a second. Just, Everybody think on the fact that I put in picks for 120 games and I got 43 of them right. <laughs> Two of them pushed, so there's that. But, uh, yeah, big yikes. At least you have those two ties to hang your hat on. <laughs> that's, that's all that's keeping me going at this point. Yeah, I was 30 and 55 against the spread, which is, like, impossible. It's not. It's not possible, so... That's that's the kind of year I've had. But anyways, congratulations to you. I just wanted to go ahead and establish that and say that uh, that yeah, you were officially the picks champion for the podcast this year. I lost a lot, but I lost less than you did. Yeah, so. you did. it feels good. Yeah, yeah. The whole fade Joey thing was actually astoundingly profitable this year <laughs> once people started catching on to that. So yeah, we should we should make shirts just for that. <laughs> that's that's a that's a great idea, Mike. If you were going to make shirts for that, who would you uh, who'd you be working with to do that? Home field apparel. How about that for a lead-in? Wow, just absolute professional work over there, Mike. Well done. Uh, Mike, Home field you, apparel. Yeah, you want to tell people about it? Vintage college apparel for most ACC schools. I feel like I need to slide that in, Joey. Most ACC schools. Mm-hmm. Um, vintage, sweet logos, really comfortable apparel, T-shirts, sweatshirts, long-sleeve shirts, you name them. If you don't Go to homefieldapparel.com and enter the promo code GOACC at checkout. You're doing it wrong. That's you're right. paying full price. That's a problem. And you're not supporting this podcast, and you're not supporting Home Field Apparel like you should. Yeah. They would yeah. love to give you a 20% discount on your order by using GOACC at checkout. So make sure to go do that. Uh, by the way, Mike, if, if you haven't looked anytime recently, we mentioned a, a couple months ago that they have ad- added some uh, Virginia wear. And really, back then, it was really just like one sweatshirt, if I remember correctly. They have actually gone and added several other Virginia items that are worth going to check out. And a bunch of stuff. They look great. Uh, some Virginia basketball stuff. I'm a hokey, and I think their stuff is fire. So that tells that you, tell you all you need to know. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So go check that out. Go check them out, homefieldapparel.com. Uh, Mike, I also mentioned a couple months ago that there was a potential little uh, guerrilla marketing effort going on for Georgia Tech, trying to get that connection made. Yeah. And what uh, happened there? Well, long story. But the, the, short, the long and short of it is, uh, from the Rumble seat, the, the site that I used to manage uh, on the SB Nation Network po- published a, uh, a gorgeous letter just calling out Georgia Tech for like, dude, why aren't you responding to these people? Like, everybody wants to do business with you and want to make money off of it. Like, get it together. Right. And um, long story short, it worked, but the article had to be taken down. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you the rest off the air. How about that? Yes. We'll <laughs> leave that there. Um, but all of it in the spirit of we want to buy more home field stuff because their stuff is really good. It is really comfortable. It looks great. Very fashionable, very cool, very durable. Uh, stuff doesn't wear out easily. So I, I am hopeful, hopeful that they will make that Georgia tech connection sometime soon for the brand, for the brand. Absolutely. Uh, once again, go ACC at checkout for 20% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, once again, thanks for supporting them. Thanks for supporting us by doing so. Yep. Mike, uh, do we want to talk a little bit about we, – we promised people we would give them offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, head coach of the year? Yeah, I think we need to do that. So, for what it's worth, uh, offensive player of the year and, and really the overall conference player of the year for the season was Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I'm so prepared that I need to look up the defensive player of the year. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa from Notre Dame, uh, the linebacker, and he was outstanding. He was really good. He would be my pick. Yep. And then uh, coach of the year was Brian Kelly out of Notre Dame as well. So Also a good pick. Notre Dame just uh, kind of paratroops into the conference for a year and takes home defensive player of the year and coach of the year. Got to love it. It's almost like really talented teams just find themselves on those types of accolade lists and – all-American lists and all-conference lists. Crazy. That's right. That's right. Uh, Mike, for what it's worth, when we did our projections, I've also got written down who we had as our player of the year and coach of the year. 
Uh, I had Sam Howell. You had Travis Etienne. I feel like those, for what it's worth, were pretty good picks, actually. Like, both had reasonably decent years. Etienne kind of disappointing in a way from what he's done. Etienne last was not years. good compared to what we thought. And, and I, I let me put this, just let me get this out of the way. He was very good as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the running game was not very good for Clemson, right? Like, I mean, relative to what we thought it would be, we thought Etienne would just be running up and down the field on people. It did not work out that way. Yeah, he had um, over sixteen hundred. He had over sixteen hundred yards on the ground each of the last two seasons he did not break a thousand yards this season on the ground right so that tells you all you need to know now as an all-purpose back he was outstanding you know catch passes out of backfield as a kick returner this was not a travis etn problem this was a clemson offensive line inability to consistently win in the trenches problem mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yep i got that wrong yeah and I, I felt like sam howell had a pretty good year there were a couple of games and certainly early on they struggled to get in rhythm um so it wasn't always pretty from him. He had a couple of turnover-prone games as well. So um, it was what it is. But, I mean, again, he's still one of the conference's better players. So uh, that worked out okay, I thought. I like his chances to win ACC Player of the Year next year. If we want to get some early futures odds on that, I bet his odds are pretty good. Yep, yep, I think so. Um, Mike, I had Mac Brown as my Coach of the Year. I don't think that was – too terrible of a pick in retrospect. You had Justin Fuente as coach of the year, and it made sense with where you projected Virginia Tech to finish, but again, that started falling apart, and so did his job security. <laughs> I mean, at the halfway point of the season, Bill Connolly from ESPN posted his midseason awards. Justin Fuente was third on the list for national coach of the year. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about, you know, the the narrative flipping or the mm-hmm. script flipping, like, there, there it is. We talked about Virginia Tech earlier, and like from a record standpoint, and kind of where the season just kind of took a nosedive in the second half. It surprised Bill Connolly too. I mean, the first half of the year, Virginia Tech was exceeding expectations with everything they were dealing with for, from a COVID standpoint. Fuente to the point that Fuente was getting National Coach of the Year consideration. Yep. So I don't feel too terrible about that, given how things ended up. I it would end up being really wrong, but. It didn't look bad there for a bit. Yeah, I don't feel like any of these are, are have been bad picks by us. I mean, n- none of them came home to roost, you know, when it, when all the votes came in. But uh, I, I think all things told, and even considering the the seasons everyone had, like it wasn't like they were bad picks. They they were pretty decent, I think. But I agree. You guys can tell us what you think. Hit us on Twitter or email us or whatever if you think we got terrible picks. I'm sure I mean, Joey do. and I are just sitting here propping each other up. I mean, we'd love to hear from you guys just shitting all over us. Tooting our own horns here, Mike. That's right. Um, so, again, player of the year in the conference was Trevor Lawrence. Is there anybody else, Mike, that you would personally pick for that? No. I, th- I think I would give it to Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, the, only, the only guy who I think deserves a little bit of a look, who statistically doesn't, I mean, he's not even close to what Lawrence put up, but I thought he had a really good year. It's Phil Dracovic from Boston College. He would be the only other guy where I'm like, man, that guy, if you want to talk about the, the most valuable offensive player in the conference outside of Trevor Lawrence, I think he's got to be up there. Mm-hmm. And Ian Book was really important to Notre Dame, but from like a pure ACC standpoint, I think Phil Dracovic might be it. Um, yeah. Based on what was expected and what he was able to do for that offense this year, I think you got to give him a look. Yeah, I think so. I I mean, Sam Howell, again, comes up. Like, I think he's a guy to consider. Um, someone like a Derek King and what he was able to do for Miami. Ian yep. Book did have a really good year. Like, call that guy out. Um, Javante Williams and Michael Carter, I mean, were both outstanding for North Carolina. Like, there are a number of guys that I, I do think kind of deserve some recognition. Um, yeah. You know, but, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to – go anywhere but Trevor Lawrence even even after he had to miss a couple of games like his numbers were still incredible and and, you know I don't know what to say he's one of the best best players we've ever seen in college yeah so yeah I agree credit to him Um, coach of the year Mike anyone else that you would go with other than Brian Kelly Dave Doran yep yeah that's where I would go with it um he's who I would go with and then the other candidate has to be Manny Diaz but I I disqualify, and maybe Miami fans listening to this, Cam included, will just call me a hater. Or they might, I, I think Cam will actually agree with this. Manny Diaz was disqualified for me when he got the doors blown off of him 
by North Carolina. They the lost last by at what by, ended up being the last week of the regular season for them. Yeah, um, lost by almost forty or whatever it was. Yeah, I gave up a school record um, in offensive yards allowed. At you know that's that disqualifies you. That's a really terrible performance. And yeah. NC State had some bad performances this year too. But just given what we expected out of the two teams, I think most us included were much higher on Miami than NC state to begin with, mm-hmm. but Manny Diaz has to be up there. Um, but if there was one other guy outside of Brian Kelly, it would go to Dave Dorn. Yep. Me. Well, and for what it's worth, Brian Kelly finishes with 17 votes for coach of the year. Dave Dorn had 16. He was right behind yeah. him. Um, right. And Dorn, won it. Yeah. And Dorn was going to be my pick as well. Um, I, Usually what I want to do with this award is give it to somebody whose team overperformed expectations pretty substantially. And I, I can't really say that Notre Dame did that. Like we had pretty high expectations of them to begin with. Like it, it, it wasn't completely unheard of or unthinkable that Notre Dame would win the conference in the regular season. Like beating Clemson won Brian Kelly the award. Probably. Yeah. I guess this was given out. I guess the award was given out a few days after the conference championship game. I don't know. It, that conference championship game still kind of sticks in my craw a little bit when I try to uh, um, try to evaluate Notre Dame this year. Just because at the time, it's like I didn't want to give – like I didn't want to make excuses for Clemson. Like, oh, well, Trevor Lawrence is out and, oh, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and even in retrospect, just after that game, like that wasn't – it didn't feel like that was the story of that game. Notre Dame beat them in the trenches and they ran the ball and, and you know, right. all that. But, man, then you just turn around and watch them in the conference championship game, and that just turned into an absolute beatdown. And I, I just – Yeah. There, there's a feeling inside of me that, like, maybe that first win should have never happened to begin with. I don't know. Right. Maybe. Right. I – hey, I agree. I mean, I think Clemson – not to totally rehash the ACC championship, but I think Clemson performed much better in the trenches than they did in the first matchup. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. having Trevor Lawrence back helps a lot. And then Notre Dame missed out on some early opportunities that really flipped the game. And you yep. can't miss out. You know, you can't be missing short field goals and failing to convert in the red zone against one of the best teams in the country. Yep. And that really yeah. killed that really killed Notre Dame in that game. And I, I thought Notre Dame put together a, a better effort in the Rose Bowl against Alabama. I, I thought they were just they just looked better, right? And they were able to move the ball and they didn't look so hapless. I you know. It was just better, in my opinion. So, yep. I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, Mike, anyone else you want to call out in terms of offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, coach of the year? The, I mean, Owusu Koromoa from Notre Dame has to be the pick for defensive player of the year. I mean, the conference got that right. He was just far and away the best player. He was incredible. Um, yeah. I, and there's not really one other guy who stood out to me from a defensive standpoint who I would even put in the same neighborhood or the same category. Um, there, there were some certainly some very good players defensively in the conference this year, but I have a hard time giving it to anybody other than Wusu Cormo. I think there were. F- I, I don't want to embellish this too much, but there were five players that I think stick out to me that also were kind of worth calling out, and it was a trio of defensive ends from Jalen Phillips, Rashad Weaver, and Patrick Jones the second. Um, yeah, all had pretty nasty years rushing the passer. And, and I don't know that any of those really kind of came out of the blue. Like we knew what those guys were capable of. They just went out and, and executed in a way that we haven't seen, uh, you know, or, or, or in a way that we kind of hope they would or, or thought they might going into the season. And then the two linebackers tackling machines, uh, Peyton Wilson and Chaz Surratt, NC State, yeah. North Carolina, both of them had pretty good years as well. So um, always fun watching those guys play. They, they've all been a joy to watch. Yep. So. Uh, Mike, let's move on. Last thing I wanted to do before we get out of here, um, kind of wanted to quickly run through these teams and just real quickly, like 30 seconds or less, just uh, do they have an up arrow next to their name, a down arrow, or neither going into next year? Do you think that they're going to be better? Do you think they're going to be worse, you know, or kind of somewhat similar, we'll say? Does that make sense? Yep. All so right. are we going to do this from uh... – are they higher or lower in the standings or are we going to do higher or lower as a like trajectory of the program or I, I would say like their S and P plus rating. Like okay. think, think of it that way. Like would they just, will they be a better team or a worse team or about the same next year? Yep. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, we'll start with Clemson. Um, up. 
I'm kind of with you, which is weird to say, realizing they're going to be losing Trevor Lawrence and Travis, Et- or, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, uh, and, and some of those guys, but I'm kind of with you. Joey, they're going to be better in the trenches, like mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. They got some young players on the offensive line and defensive line that are going to develop into all ACC and all American caliber players. And I think the back end in the secondary is going to get much better too. And DJ Uyangalale, if he has half of the career Trevor Lawrence had or half of the career Deshaun Watson had, like sign Clemson up. And he's a fantastic prospect and he's going to be a really good player. But that's not even where I go with this. It's the I think they'll be better in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I think the secondary for Clemson will be better. And I just think from a quarterback standpoint, like they don't necessarily need to have Trevor Lawrence on the roster. I just think that they're I mean, they got to be trending up, in my yep. opinion. Yep. I, I think so. That's where that's where I'm at as well. They get so much production back on defense. I, I think they will be better next year, even even without yep. Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and some of those guys. Yep. So, um, all right. Up on Clemson, uh, Miami. Up. DR King's returning. I think he'll be healthy. Uh, it sounds like he'll be ready for training camp. Um, he's already undergone the surgery for the torn ACL, and the doctors are optimistic, and it wasn't as bad as it looked. Defensively, yes, they're losing some guys, and you have some concern there, but Manny Diaz um, is going to be calling the plays. That's We'll get into like news items on another podcast, but that's something that came out this week is that he's going to be taking over the defense. From a play calling standpoint, Blake Baker's still going to be on the staff and helping coordinate it. But Manny Diaz calling the defense, I think, is significant because that's something that we've seen in recent years. It's worked out really well, obviously, when he was a defensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. I think they're trending up. I'm tempted to say down. I don't know. Like it, I, I question if they can pull off this again what they pulled off this year in a lot of cases. Um, and, right. and you get some guys back on defense. Some of them, other ones are leaving. I think Quincy Roche, Jalen Phillips, I think those guys are gone. So, eh, I guess I'll say I'll say about the same. I'll say about the same here, Cap Miami, uh, North Carolina. Up now, I will say that my concern with Carolina is that they have a lot of really talented guys from the offense that won't be on the roster next year. Deami Brown's gone. Daz Newsom's gone. Michael Carter's gone. Um, they won't have Javante Williams but they'll still have Sam Howell mm-hmm. and they still will have a very talented offensive line. And they're recruiting a lot of really good, talented young players at the skill positions. So I think as long as you have Sam Howell on the roster and a good offensive line, you've got to be trending up. And I think the defense will be outstanding next year. I think it'll be one of the best units in the conference. So got to trend up. Yep. I'm with you. I, th- I think they're probably the favorites in the coastal, assuming we go back to divisions next year, which, Oh, they're absolute. They're, they're far and away the favorite in the coastal. Yeah. Um, and, and I think with the way that they're recruiting too, like they're they're the obvious next man up in terms of maybe somebody potentially giving Clemson a run of it in the ACC championship game or yeah. something like you know like yeah they're probably the ones closest from a talent standpoint. So even yeah. without all that production, I, I'm with you. My a my Miami's got I will say Miami still has more talent than North Carolina, but until they prove it, it's like. North Carolina is the next logical team because they have the quarterback and Sam Howell that can make a difference. Not that De'Ara King can't. It's just Sam Howell's on another level. He's a different quarterback. We all know it, and Miami fans know it too. It's just a different kind of player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yep, agreed. Uh, NC State. Man, I, I'm going to say down. I, I don't okay. think they're going to be as good next year as they were this year. And I don't know what they're going to have at quarterback, right? Like Devin Leary's coming off a serious injury. Bailey Hawkman transferred out to Mill, Tennessee. I got some questions there. Um, They're losing some talent on defense. A lot of guys are still returning to this roster, but I feel like they overachieved this year with the softer schedule. And I think next year, assuming we go back to the regular division format, the schedule just inherently is going to be tougher. I mean, they're going to see Clemson, right? Mm -hmm. They're, They're going to get those games back on the schedule. So I think it's got to be down. I'm going to stick with around the same. Um, and, and my thought being that if we're talking about just straight up team quality from like an SP plus standpoint, like I think it'll be about the same, but I'm, I'm kind of with you that I think they probably go down in the standings a little bit. Um, you know, as yeah. the schedule gets a little tougher and, and uh, you know, the quarterback situation is maybe a little thinner. We'll say, um, you know, you should have a healthy Devin Leary, hopefully, but um, you know, if, if something were to happen to him, what else is there? Uh, right. hard, hard to say. So 
I'll say that I think they stay about the same, but I, I think it will go down in the standings just a little bit. Right. That's fair. Boston College. Uh, I think they're trending up because I like Phil Dracovic a lot. And now that I've seen him play, dude, I mean, he is really good, Joey. Mm-hmm. I mean, Notre Dame would love to have him next year, wouldn't they? A whole proper offseason to work with the guys and work with oh, the offense man. and all that. Yeah. And I really like what Jeff Halfley's doing. And he's recruiting. I mean, look, he's like gone and he's hit the recruiting trail hard. And it's hard to recruit guys to Chestnut Hill. We know that. But he's bringing an energy that's palpable to the Boston College program that's really been needed. So, I mean, it, it's looking like a great hire. I think it's got to be trending up as long as Phil Dracovic's on the roster. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. I I don't know, again, I don't know if they can maintain like sixth in the ACC good uh, right. going into next year. I guess technically fifth if you ignore Notre Dame. But, I, but again, I think they can still be really good. Uh, right. The, the best is probably yet to come for Jeff Halfley and Phil Dracovic there. Yep. Uh, Pittsburgh. About the same. Okay. About the same. I mean, this program is what it is. As long as Kenny Pickett's going to be there, he's not going to he's not going to throw them out of games. He's going to win them a couple games. He's going to keep them in everything. Um, defensively, they're going to be good. Running the football is still an issue. So, if they fix that, they could be trending up. But it's easier said than done. They just haven't run the football well the last couple of years. So, I th- I think it's going to be about the same. Yeah, you've gotten to the point where it's no longer an, anom- an anomaly. It's a pattern. Right. So. Uh, keep that in mind. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna almost say down a little bit. Um, just questioning again with no uh, no Weaver and uh, oh gosh, names are escaping me now. It's been been a long weekend. Uh, no Pat Jones, no no Weaver on defense. I, we saw some cracks in the defense this year that we didn't really see the year before when they were excellent. Like they were still good, but they had some issues. So I'm going to say down a little bit. I don't think it'll be any drastically different, but just maybe a little bit of de- you know degradation in quality there. Yep. So, uh, Mike, your Hokies, Virginia Tech. Down a little. Um, I don't want to say a lot because I think the defense is going to still be very good. They have a lot of guys returning on that side of the ball, and I think, I, I think they're going to be better in year two. They've started making some strides later in the year. Um, offensively, I have questions at quarterback because I haven't seen enough out Braxton Burmeister to know that he's absolutely the guy, but they still got a lot of talent coming back. They lose Khalil Herbert. Um, they have a couple talented young running backs coming in. They still have Blackshear. They still have James Mitchell and Trey Turner at tight end and receiver. So there's still talent and, and a lot of guys on the offensive line that are still good. They had a, a couple transfers out of the program, but they also just brought in an all Big Ten honorable mention at center. So they're going to be okay up front. My question is with Burmeister, a quarterback, and I, I think the defense will be better next year. So I think slightly down just because I don't know what the offense is going to be. And and I, I think it's going to be the same from like an inconsistency standpoint. I don't see how this team's going to be very consistent next year at all. I think it's going to be about the same from that standpoint. But I think trending down overall because I don't know what they're going to have a quarterback, truthfully. Yeah. Speaking of patterns, you know, we, we, we've yeah. seen a bunch of uh, what you would call relatively disappointing Virginia Tech offense over a number of years. And that's, yeah, I, I think that's a coaching staff thing. And we've talked a lot about that on this show. So I, I don't see a reason that that'll really drastically change, you know, over the entire course of next year. So I, I'm with you. I'm going to say down for the Hokies. I don't think it's drastically down. I, I think there's probably still a bowl team. But yeah, probably not going in the right direction in Blacksburg. Yeah, I mean they'll have weeks where they look like a top fifteen team, then they'll have weeks where they look like a bottom fifteen team in the FBS. So mm-hmm. just be ready for those. Yep, <laughs> roller coasters. Uh, Mike, Virginia up. Brennan Armstrong better than I thought he would be. I mean, everybody was hyping him up, but he he exceeded my expectations, Joey. Mm-hmm. I mean, this offense. Mm-hmm when he wasn't in the lineup, you just really look at and We talked about Jerkovic's importance and Ian Book's importance and all these guys, how important they are to respective offenses. Is there a quarterback that means more to their offense to the ACC than Brian Armstrong does? I'm not sure there is. I mean, I, I look at the backup quarterbacks and I'm like, oh my God, like, oh my God, what a drop off. Yeah. From, from a I mean, relative standpoint, like Armstrong over his replacement is, is probably about as drastic as it gets in the conference right now. Yeah. Yeah. And they just looked like a completely different offense. And when Armstrong was out, I was like, yeah, this team sucks. And then when Armstrong came in, I was like, wow. Okay. Competent. Like look out North Carolina. Like what's happening? <laughs> like what's happening? Yeah. 
Boston um, College and Pittsburgh both had some pretty brutal sh- uh, showings with backup quarterbacks as well, for what it's worth. But yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah, it was a noticeably brutal showing going from Brennan Armstrong to whoever else there at quarterback for Virginia. Yeah, I think their defense will be better too. I'm, I'm gonna say same for Virginia. Um, they lose a lot of production on defense. Um, if you, if you just look at you know, like the list of their top tacklers, like the top 11 tacklers, uh, I think eight of them are seniors. So I, and I mean, for what it's worth, any of those guys could come back next year. Eligibility didn't Snowden's count this year. Gone. So yeah. that, that's, and Snowden's gone. Yeah. Snowden's gone. Um, but I mean, Zane Zandier, D'Angelo Amos, uh, Matt Gom, Nick Grant, like all these guys, Devonte Cross, Mandy Alonzo, Joey Blunt, all of them scheduled to be gone next year. Right. Um, I, I'm sure a couple of them will be back and we'll need to do some off season research. And I'm sure banana slug or somebody can tell us if, uh, who, who's already said they're coming back, you know, and correct us right. on that. But, um, yeah, that is a lot of production of, of experience and snaps and, and all that to lose right. going into next year. So we'll see. Yeah. Maybe slightly down for me, but maybe largely the same, uh, wake forest about the same. Okay. Sam Hartman, Decent defense, some playmakers on offense. Uh, you know, Dave Clawson's the coach. I mean, yeah, they're not going to bottom out, Joey, with with Clawson coaching him. Clearly, clearly, yeah, probably about the same. Um, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, there's some promising young playmakers there, and you know, some some decent pieces to work with there on defense. And I don't know, we we may have seen the best that we'll see of Wake Forest for a while, but if you know, if what we're also seeing is now the worst of Wake Forest, like you're you're still doing perfectly fine, right? Like, right. You're gonna be making bowl games and, and doing okay. So, uh, there's that. All right, uh, Georgia Tech up. Jeff Sims, Jameer Gibbs, they're recruiting well. Up. Yep. I'm gonna say tentatively up. I think they should be up, but you know, not not far off from what we talked about with Virginia Tech. Like, it definitely feels like a, a, a coaching staff game planning. You know, strategic issue more than a talent issue at this point that's, mm-hmm. that's keeping them from winning some of these games. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to say tentatively up, but it, it kind of depends on, on the coaching staff changing more so than anything else to me at this point. Yep. Uh, Louisville. <sighs> this is this is the hardest one so far, I think. You think? I do. Um, I'm going to say about the same. Okay. Um. Cunningham will be back. I mean, Javion Hawkins is gone. I, I don't know. I mean, they—it's they, tough because they, going. yeah, and they exceed expectations in year one. They drop off in year two, but you know, we talked about it. It's kind of relative because they did play good football towards the end of the year. It was just a little bit more inconsistent this year. But how much of that do you blame on COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the case with a lot of these teams. Like, how much of the inconsistency? even if it is a pattern, right, with some of these schools, like COVID didn't help anybody this year, right? So get a regular offseason under your belt, especially for like some of the new coaches and new coordinators in the conference. Like who's to say? And Satterfield in year two, year two going into year three still falls in that discussion, as is Jeff Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Miami with Manny Diaz, you know, Justin Hamilton, defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech. Like these guys fall into that category where like, Jeff Halfley, even at Boston College. So I'm going to say about the same. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm weirdly bullish just kind of going back to the luck thing. It, it does feel like they still played fairly well uh, this year relative to, you know, the actual results in the field and, and just kind of caught some bad breaks at times. But, I mean, they do lose a lot on defense as well, uh, losing seven of their top nine tacklers and – um, ha- having to replace again, not just JV and Hawkins, but also Tutu Atwell and Des Fitzpatrick. And uh, you're going to get Malik Cunningham back, but whether that's a good thing or not, I guess time will tell. So uh, maybe I shouldn't be so cautiously optimistic. Uh, yeah, I'll say about the same. I, I think I think that coaching staff is going to be effective with, with those players and that roster. But man uh, there there's a lot working against them right now Not, and that's before we get to any of the trust nonsense issues that they're probably having with the players at times right i was going to say that's you know they they could be effective with you know that that staff can be effective with that team and that roster until they want to be effective with somebody else's roster yep 
Absolutely. Florida State. Uh, uh, it's got to be. Uh, I mean, I like Norvell a lot. It's got to <sighs> Joey, it's going to be the same for next year. I think overall program trajectory is up, but I think from a S&P Plus standpoint, I think it's going to be about the same. They're yeah. not going to be very yeah. good next year. But I think overall from a program standpoint, I'm high on Norvell. Yeah, I mean, I think Florida State needs to like show a little bit of patience there because this is not something that you, you can – fully tear down and rebuild in, in a year or two. Like it, it is going to take a little while. Truth. Just keep recruiting. Well, mm-hmm. man, just like keep bringing in good players. And eventually from a culture standpoint, you'll get to where you need to be. Just like keep, rec- keep trying to recruit those guys. Well, and it's, it's also to me, it's about kind of managing those personalities as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just cause a kid runs a four, three doesn't necessarily mean you want him in your locker room. Like right. keep those kinds of things in mind. Yeah. I, I think they're on the right track over, over a long enough time frame, but I think for next year, I'm going to go down. I, I think you got to strip this thing down to the studs. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better for Florida State. So I'll yeah, say down. That's yeah. that's fair. Uh, Duke. Down. Yeah, probably. Don't know who the quarterback is. Dave Cockliffe's not going to be there more than like a few more years, probably. I w- I'm actually surprised he's going to be coaching next year, but I guess he doesn't want to go out like that. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Down. This team stinks right now. I'm with you. I'm with you. It, it's time for a restart there and – I feel like the the longer you put it off, the harder it's going to get. You know, I just, yeah, down, down for Duke. <laughs> and now kind of one of the stranger ones, Syracuse. <laughs> it's only strange because it can't get any worse, right? I was going to say, like, you can't really go much further down than that. <laughs> right. Um, I think I almost just have to say about the same, just so I'm not mean. I, I think so. Like Same or potentially up. I mean, you know, we keep kind of waiting on Dino Babers to like fully put it together with this this staff and this this roster, and like we got a lot of reason to believe in him and think that he can, and and yet, and yet, yeah, I haven't seen anything close to it yet. I can't say I, and that's why I got to say same. I can't say down because it can't really get any worse, and I can't say up because we're getting further and further removed from that ten win aberration because yep. that's what it's starting to look like. That's doesn't look like that's a Dino. That looks like it was a Dino Babers miracle rather than a Dino Babers program building. This is what's going to happen. Yep. Thing like we're getting further and further from that. So I think I'm just going to stick with the same. Yeah. Just maybe they'll show a little bit of progress. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I want it to work. I, I, I like Dino as a coach and I, I, it, it was fun watching them go 10 and three there a couple of years ago. And, and I, I enjoyed watching Eric Dungey and we had high hopes for Tommy DeVito and all this stuff. And I mean, Nikeem Johnson this year was great. Uh, had some pieces on defense. Like there, there's plenty to like and enjoy about Syracuse, but putting it all together, we haven't really gotten particularly close to it other than that one year. So yeah, yeah. hard to, hard to have a ton of optimism beyond that going into next year. So yeah, we'll say the same. Uh, all right, Mike, that's, that's all of them. Uh, I think that's all I got. Anything else you want to hit on before we uh, work on getting out of here? Yeah, Notre Dame's not an ACC team next year. Let's talk about them real quick. What do you think they're at from a um, SP plus standpoint? Uh, maybe a little bit down. Still probably like a top 12-ish team, but yeah. maybe going down just a little bit. I mean, having to replace Ian Book and, and you know some guys on defense and that kind of thing, like there'll be a little bit of a drop off, which at that, at that like high of a level is, is enough to knock you down a couple pegs like that, but they'll still be quite yeah. good. I mean, they'll still be like a top 15 team in the country. Most likely. Yeah. I think, well, yeah, I think, I think it's definitely in play. I don't think they will be a playoff team next year. They lose a few significant, I mean, Owusu Koromoa chief among them, like a few significant pieces on defense. I'm going to say down, um, but they're still going to be really good. They're going to be a problem for a lot of teams. There'll be a problem for several ACC teams on the schedule. <laughs> yep. Um, so they'll they'll still be really good. Um, Jack Cohn transferring in from Wisconsin. They have Tyler Buckner, a five-star quarterback, um, who's coming in as a freshman. So he'll be able to sit behind a veteran. I, I would guess they're going to start Jack Cohn and kind of roll the dice and see what happens. They develop Buckner behind him. But, I mean, Brian Kelly is really recruiting well there. So I think program trajectory-wise, I think they continue to get better. But I think next year it's fair to say that they'll take a little bit of a step back from this playoff team they had. Probably one of the best teams in school history this year. So Yeah. I, I would be a little bit surprised if, if Jack Cohn is like some revelation at Notre Dame. Um, no. No. We want, I mean, they're going to lean on the run game. and 
That's that's what they do anyway. Ian Book, they threw it a little bit more than this year because Ian Book got got kind of good, <laughs> so <laughs> they, they started to started to sling it around a little bit. They got to develop some guys at receiver. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to have a difference maker there. They haven't in a few years now. Yeah, yeah, it's playful. He'll be a step down from Ian Book for sure. Um, so a, a little bit of a reset, but I mean Notre Dame's reset is most teams' best year in a couple of decades, probably. So yes, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's all relative. Um, a a, re- a reset, not a restart. Yeah, like, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yes. All right, Mike. Anything else? I think this was good. Yeah, I think so. Good little uh, full-on recap and talked about kind of what we did right, what we did wrong, and it was it was a therapy session. We feel better now. I feel better. I don't know. Do you? I feel better. We should, uh, and uh, I say this because you already you already know about this. <laughs> we should start making some phone calls to some people that we know. I think we should. That have been on this podcast before and yeah. talk about yeah. some of these individual teams. Because yeah. I have questions about... I have some questions about like UVA and Miami. Mm-hmm. You know who we're going to talk to about Miami, <sighs> NC State. I would love to get Stephen Muma's take on this. We mm-hmm. got, I got some questions for some people. Yep, I, I am with you. I am very curious to get some people on the phone and uh, get some get some more insider takes. So that's probably the next thing we should be doing here over the next few weeks. Yeah. Yep. So the content's not going away, folks. We'll still be here. That's right. Keep it tuned here. Uh, lots of stuff coming your way still as we get into the off season here and try to fully digest the weird season that was and start working our way towards uh, next season. So right. once again, keep it tuned here. Uh, wherever you find your podcasts, we're going to keep you uh, keep you entertained here, hopefully. And the great thing for the people is that now since we're sponsored, we have an obligation to put out more content. That's, that's right. That's an obligation. So you won't be getting one podcast a month. <laughs> you will be getting podcasts probably weekly mm-hmm. at worst like once every seven to ten days so we'll be here yep we'll be here so come find us uh, come come listen in join in uh, this is also the best time of year by the way to get in with listener questions or, or whatever like yeah we're uh, trying to search for content to come up with like you guys can help drive that content if there's something you want to hear us talk about or, or kind of get into um, and by the way if you want to come join us on the show for a little bit i think we've made this offer before Go buy something from Homefield and take a picture of yourself wearing it and send it to us. Yep. Come hang out. Yep. Prove that you use the promo code. That's right. And you'll be on the show with us for sure. That's Come a guarantee. That's a guarantee. Um, yeah. And also tell your friends about this podcast too because mm-hmm. we're continuing to grow and we got a lot of new listeners and we want to keep growing that in the off season too. It's really important that we have some strong momentum heading into our sixth year doing this podcast. Yeah. No kidding. Gosh, time flies. Yeah. Um, yeah, so lots of things coming your way. Keep it tuned here. Um, just because college football's done does not mean that we are. So uh, should should still be a, a lot of fun to be had here. i uh, got yep. a couple of other like random off-season projects, too. Like Maybe finally getting that mythical entrance exit music that we've uh, talked about doing, putting together That's for right. years now. We'll see. Yep. Probably not. I don't know. Anyways, uh, Mike... That's all we got. We're going to get out of here. We're going to come back and probably start talking to a couple of our friends about how things went for certain teams. So yes, we will do that. Uh, in the meantime, people can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel VT, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns, any sort of content you're looking for. You can send it all to the longest email address, known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Held it. Thank you. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all those other places. It's, it's great. And, uh, Mike, you want to tell them where they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of your podcasts there. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Go ACC at checkout. Gets you 20% off your first order, as you guys know. But we're going to keep hammering that point home. Yep. Please do. Please do. And, by the way, I forgot to mention it. We are at BC Podcast ACC on Instagram. So come check us out there as yes. well. Uh, gonna try to be posting a little bit more content there. We've uh, slacked off over the last few weeks, but you know, stuff comes up like Christmas. All days will do that, and we've been busy. Yes, yeah, that's for sure. Um, all right, Mike. I think that's all I got. Anything else before we uh, sign off here? I tested negative for COVID. Look at you. So, don't good have job. that. That's good. 
happy for you. Had a little bit of a COVID exposure situation, but we're in the clear now. So. There you go. There you go. That's got to be a good feeling. Go out to the bar and yes. celebrate with your buddies. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. It's one way to celebrate. But, well, we'll be we'll be doing some uh, celebrating at my bachelor party in short order. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah. Socially distanced, of course. Yeah, right. Of course. Right. Of course. Something like that. Anyways. Yeah. All right, Mike, we will uh, come back and we'll talk again soon. Yep. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.